Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Right, friends. Welcome back to the show. Get ready for some awesome. There it is. You know what else is awesome, Jonathan? Podbean. Podbean. You're all in one podcast hosting and publishing provider. If you, like our friend Josh Ross, decide I've got a message that I need to get out, you should do exactly what Josh Ross did. Go to Podbean. They'll take care of you. Josh has a podcast. It's up and running. Podbean took care of him, and you know what? They can take care of you. And with their new all-in-one uh, app that you can record and publish directly from your phone, it's even easier. So, Jonathan, if you ever think you have a message that's worth getting out, which I don't know if you do yet, but if you ever did, Podbean is the one who would take care of you. I always feel dirty after you do this part. This Why? Bit. Why? I feel like I'm a part... I feel like I'm a uh, teller to your pen or whatever. Whoever the one that doesn't say anything and just lets the big guy get away with stuff. I, I mean, I, that's, I mean that, that's somewhat accurate, I guess, to what, what this is. But I feel like... Uh, <laughs> I, I think we'd be better off if you played that role the entire time, mm-hmm. some might say. But yeah, yeah um, okay. Well, My welcome back to the show. My to flourish. Yeah, the... Uh, <clears throat> Flourishing. The September wrap-up show. Um, you know, I had a friend tell me, you know, Luke, I listen to all the podcasts, but I can't listen to the wrap-up podcast. I said, oh my goodness, why not? And you know what she, she said? Why? She said, because I can't listen to Jonathan be so mean to you and make fun of you the whole time. Were you like, thank you, friend mom? No. Thank you, friend mom. <laughs> no, I think this is just a, a caring friend who I appreciate her concern for me, but um, we're going to do it anyway. I can't imagine anybody ever saying that sentence to you. I feel like you've made that up, that no. anecdote. Does this friend have a name? Uh, it does, yeah. Yes. It does. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there is a name. There's not a... She's lost a gender in between <laughs> the last 30 no, seconds. No, yes, there is a name. I didn't, there, there's a name. I just don't feel like it's my name to say at this point. But there is a name, and uh, I'll leave it up to her. If she wants to uh, share her yeah, name on I'm the next sure. wrap-up, I'll, I'll let her name be said. But I'll um, hold my breath. Made up, made up person defending That's, Luke. That hurts. You that know, hurts. I, I also have somebody defending me. No, you don't. Who's that? Yeah, he, sh- uh, he. I don't need to say, but his he's name's really Jonathan Jormand. Is that his name? <laughs> he's real mad at you. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. Be that way. He thinks you're way. a dumb dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jonathan, despite your rudeness, we had some good podcasts this month. Yeah, real good ones there. Uh, <laughs> Which one was How's your favorite? Your, uh, man, uh, the 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 Derek and Brian Zahn thing, I actually enjoyed that more than I thought that I was going to. And I look forward to talking about that. So we're doing a sermon series together, Christians Make That's the Best true. Atheists. Do people like your sermons? Yeah, love it. Gosh, man. And I've had several people that I don't need to say their names, just be like, you're doing <laughs> so much better than <laughs> It is funny because we do have people, like college students, from Westover who are at ACU now and they go hear your sermons and uh, I was talking to someone who said yeah it's great talking to my daughter and we're talking about the same stuff um, huh. she, she says most of hers are like wrapped up in uh, like homeschooled references like back when I was on the cow back home riding it to the school <laughs> oh uh, that's most of the metaphors that are used with it but besides that that's the, the idea is similar yeah yeah they are How, how's it going on on your end uh, it's good. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going well. I 
by the time this one's posted, we'll talk about Athena uh, and nationalism. So let's talk about it next week to see how that goes. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, month. one of the great things about about it is because uh, it's a fairly hot topic with Take the Knee and everything, but yeah. um, we planned this in July. Yeah. You no, know, we, we like, filmed it in July. We planned it weeks before, before that. that yeah. Yeah. So it's not like we had a uh, some kind of insight onto what we'd be dealing with. But in a lot of ways, that's that's great because it's the word of the Lord. Yeah. It's not. It's not it, us. It's like the uh, the evangelical uh, version of the lectionary, where you can blame it on something <laughs> else. Like the sermon series was written by the Lord years, <laughs> months in advance. Months. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I can't say years, right. but. Uh, yeah, the kneeling. Uh, obviously, um, we talked about that last month, um, the last one a month when um, we had Sean, Sean on, and uh, I, uh, I think most of you might have heard it uh, if, if you're on social media and, and we're friends, um, that uh, Sean Adams, who's been on three times, uh, and a friend of mine, uh, part of the same church as me, passed away. Um, uh, I guess it's almost been... 11 or 12 days ago at this point. Actually, it'll be two weeks tomorrow. Um, uh, just crazy news. Uh, I was finished up a lunch group and I step out and, you know, my assistant says, um, Sean Adams, you need to make a phone call. He's, he's had a heart attack and uh, walking down the hall called, um, I forget who it was, Scott or Cliff or Lindsay, someone. And they told me the news and I I just couldn't believe it. I literally fell down just on the I, going. This is just unbelievable. Um, yeah, uh, so it's been a crazy two weeks. Uh, uh, funeral was last Saturday, and um, yeah, it's just been a tough two weeks. Um, obviously, a lot. Uh, you know, I can't imagine what the family's going through, but um, yeah, it's been uh, still pretty surreal. I know we we talked that afternoon, didn't we? Yeah, I, I called you and you were you were um, weeping. You were yeah. very very uh, shaken up about it. And yeah, I I think what you called uh, and I was in my truck. I was driving over to how to the house and I was just coming back to mine. And the whole time I was just thinking of okay, what do we need to do? How can we take care of the family? And right. I was sitting in Chipotle parking lot. I was like, I, it's three o'clock or whatever and I need to eat lunch and Lindsay texted me and she said something like I know he was your friend too and mm-hmm. it was like the switch went off from like mm-hmm. pastor being distracted by trying to help other people to man this is a friend of mine just passed away and yeah I think you called right right in the middle of that and just surreal man I I didn't have a I didn't know Sean personally but I love the I love the stuff that you could talk you, you guys could talk about and everybody that i know that knew him loved him yeah. so yeah i think they uh i don't know if you went to ac home the football game right after they honored him yeah yeah they did that there uh he's supposed to call a college game um in california that week too or that day and they had a little spot set up for him in the media chair i mean uh where he's supposed to sit in the uh, the media booth or whatever that is but um yeah i saw that uh, same night um, yeah yeah is the te- in USC. Yeah, the Texas-USC game. Uh, just a weird thing. Um, still Life is it. fragile, man. That, yeah. is, that is one of the things. Because he was what? Like 40? 46, yeah. Yeah. And the funeral was like 10 days after. And 
I think so. You just had this sudden tragic heart mm-hmm. attack, and I, I, ten days seems like it's longer than usual before a funeral, <clears throat> or on the longer end. I mean, it's not unusual, but that's typically longer, right? Then yeah, yeah. And I think that enabled it to transform from uh, like a more grieving to a more celebratory. Like we're celebrating the life of Sean because we've had ten days to process this tragedy, but. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, Sean's a good dude. We miss him, and um, yeah. So, well, I'm sorry that y'all, y'all's church, and you, you've had to go through that. Not to make this about you, because I know that's your instinct on a lot of things. But the, um, what for real? One of the things that preachers, I think, have to deal with is not, um, is like letting themselves grieve. Yeah, this kind of stuff too. Yeah, uh, I think there's a weird spot where you don't want your grief to be the yeah. center center of it. You also don't want to be calloused. But I like how do you balance the two of those? And honestly, I didn't. I didn't really think through it. I just tried to cry as much as I could beforehand, so I didn't distract. Did them. you do the funeral? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I did it with uh, Scott, who I work with, and Cliff, who I work with. Uh, they each did parts of it, and then I did the the eulogy, the sermon part of it. And, um, yeah. yeah. So Sean, you know, was a speaker, teacher, broadcaster. So he, he knew how to talk. And there's part of me, it's like, I, I want to do this as well and high quality yeah. of a, of a speech. Cause I know he would appreciate that. And, um, it was a great, great service. And, uh, okay. To, to make a, um, a moment of brevity in a very tense situation. Let me tell you a funny story. Uh, so he had uh, one of his buddies uh, who was going to lead some songs at the uh, service who who works with student-athletes at UT. Um, uh, like, I corresponded with him, and I met him when I, he first walked in. All right, I sent him a message beforehand, but didn't really talk to him much until he got there. And I went up, introduced him, hey, I'm Luke, I'm one of the ministers, blah, blah, blah. And uh, brief conversation. And then 10 minutes later, he walks up to me. Uh, he goes, oh, I, d- I didn't know you were the pastor. Um, he goes, I-, I heard you say minister, but I just, I, I didn't hear that. I just thought, I'm not even joking. This is one every century. He goes, I just thought you were like some quarterback recruit that Sean had worked with. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you know gosh. what? I'll take that over pastor yeah. any day oh, of the week. Gosh. Um, <laughs> no, you're going to have new cards <laughs> printed up. He, was it you that sent me the picture of the Hillsong book cover? The pastor of the Hillsong book cover? Uh, uh, what's what's the guys like with the giant muscles? Uh, oh, oh, you're thinking of uh, Carl Lentz, the the guy who, um, yeah, yeah, with who works with Joel up in New York. Yeah, dude, you should totally do a book cover like that. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that's a. Interesting idea. I, I just got an email yeah. from the publisher just a few minutes ago, and they said, we've decided on the title for your book and the subtitle. And I was like, hold on, wait a minute. Is it like a, should we talk about this or? <laughs> what is there, it? Can you say, or is it a big announcement? I don't, I, I don't, I mean, it's just, it's still the same God over good. That's just a subtitle they're working with. Um, oh. But I was like, we're, we're, we're proud to announce that the title. I'm like, I like, I like the, I like the subtitle, but. Whatever. Oh no, they own all your <laughs> words now, man. That's one of the weird things. I remember think because we're used to like in in doing the series, like no, I don't like that. I don't think I'll go with that. Yeah. Um. Or we title everything ourselves, or you know, we'll take input. But 
it's different when you sell a book, man. Yeah. They own it. Yeah, that's. They could put it like Luke is a freaking idiot <laughs> is the title. I think that actually was one of the subtitles they were oh, working with. Please, Luke God, is an idiot. Be... Uh, that'll be the second book. That like <laughs> his first one's terrible. We have to put it out. So let's just go ahead and make this the title. Luke's the idiot who has to put a book with us out. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! I see. Jen Hatmaker has is gotten in your head. <laughs> what? The Jen Hatmaker's gotten in your head. First eight books. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Yeah, I thought, man, that's the kind of humility, dose of humility this this kid needs. Well, obviously that happens with some people. Uh, how many have you done it again, Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're going to go down swinging, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. But it's fair. It's, I think I was talking to, uh, to Annie Downs, who's also on the podcast, um, that when you're a writer, they expect you to be a, a speaker. And if you're a speaker, right. it's different than being a... It, it, no, that was Jen. That was Jen Hatmaker. Oh. That is so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. That, um, I, I never really thought of that before, but they do. those two things do not necessarily have anything in common. Yeah. And anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you feel like you're you like doing more, writing or preaching? Honestly, I I like all three different mediums that I dabble in. I really like preaching. It's obviously the the my the majority of my time is that. But is your your favorite though? Give you the most life? I I wouldn't say favorite. I think I can enjoy preaching more because I also have the interviewing, and I think I like the writing because it gives me a different voice. I think I can be more autobiographical in writing whereas I feel like if I spent that much time talking about myself in a sermon I feel like it would have been be disrespectful to the trade and, and the service and I, I, I don't know I, I feel like each of them give, me, give you a different opportunity to express yourself in a different way what do you prefer? Yeah. Preaching Yeah I mean I like I like writing um, I feel like I don't I feel like before it gets written down, I, I say it in my head. You know? Really? So it's it's like filtered through that, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it feels almost like I'm doing that, except there's just not any people there. Yeah. I, I've heard people talk about <clears throat> preachers who try to like transcribe a sermon. like They just said it out loud, and someone's going to write it out for them. I, I think Rob has said this on a podcast. Uh, cast I hope he has um, where he had someone transcribe um, a couple chapters to a book that he was thinking about doing and he tried to turn that into his first book and it was just terrible yeah he did say that on a okay, podcast um, I think they're different mediums I think if you're gonna if you're gonna write you have to to write for the ear instead of writing for the uh, for the or vice versa I mean we you communicate in different ways well I don't know Luke Maybe once you've been on the clearance bin at Mardell's, you can tell me about what writing's like. But I, right now, I think I'm going to stick with my tried and true method. You know, I'm telling you, I think there's a book for you to write that we've already talked about. I think it would do really well. You th- yeah, you think? Well, it was my idea, so yeah. But hmm. No, I, I think there's a book for you to write that, that fits your voice that's not a, an accumulation of sermons, that's an actual book yeah. and I think that would be a different experience than someone asking you to turn a sermon series into a book because I think it would come across anyway. it would be more memoir and there's a lot more personal stuff of other people that I feel like I, so it's the gospel according to the forgotten poor right that's the one yeah. yeah yeah. I feel like I would need to get 
You read Hillbilly Elegy, right? Uh, yes, I did. And you loved it, right? I wouldn't say love. I thought it was a good book. How many people did he throw under the bus? You, but you could write that. You could write. Grandpa lit my mima, or lit my grandpa on fire. There are some shady. I've got those stories. Do you really have that? Uh, I have. Oh yeah, man. I mean, there's. There, that's the thing about like the rural poor, like what they're talking about. We've got plenty of stories like that that um, of, of people who have done things and you just kind of everybody knows the first person who wrote a memoir yeah and you know what i mean like that ex- exposed all the family secrets I, and, but i don't think yeah yeah that's fair <laughs> which is why i'm currently sending emails out asking for releases for my friends to tell stories um we'll see what happens yeah uh, man, I wouldn't. I, I, would, I don't know how I would get releases for that. Is the kind of stories are, I would tell? Are you saying because your your friends don't know how to email? Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, you meant a different way. I didn't understand. Okay, well, yeah. I think we're predestined now to talk about uh, the podcast. Let's do the uh, BZ part one and two. And I think I I know which one you're going to take. You're excited to have Derek on there because it was another Calvinist like you. You kind of feel like you're. Your tribe was being represented, so... No, yeah, totally. Okay, so, was he what you thought he was going to be? Um, I, I thought he was older than me, for one. That surprised me. Oh, you, I thought you were older than me. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't have expectations for him to be... I, I mean, I read the 11,000 words that he wrote, and I watched a few things he did online, so I, I wasn't surprised. Were you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought I thought anybody who would write an eleven thousand word critique of a book, um, unprompted, like that's like a publisher needs to <laughs> ask me to write something like that. Some kind of magazine review needs yeah. to ask me to write something like that. Um, I, I thought he would be crazy. Or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in, in his defense, he had written some of this stuff for other things before, and so he was reallocating some previous work. I think he said that on the podcast. So. It was okay. Well, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not throwing shade at him for writing an eleven. I just I'm telling you my expectations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Were, and so you didn't think he was crazy? No, not at all. I thought he was well spoken, uh, real college pastory. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Um, you know, like he, he, um, he. The stuff that he was talking about made total sense to me, um, and the way he said it, I thought, yeah, that that's convincing and compelling. And, yeah. Um, is there anything that he changed your mind on? Uh, I would. I don't know. I, I think I'm more his stuff. It's not a substantial thing, but uh, the genocide text. I think his preference of not using that word because uh, it's like offensive or it, it doesn't. It, it it's weighted. It, yeah, it's a weighted phrase. That I, baggage. I've always used that, and I've never heard someone push back on it. And I think okay, I can. I can see where he's coming from, and maybe there's better ways to talk about it that would be more charitable to the other side. Uh, I, so that's one thing that I would do. Like, is there now a pro-genocide side? Well, I think his argument, I, I think it was genocide. Yeah, I got, I got his argument, but you wouldn't put him as like a, the other side being like Well, that. if he's, but he would say it's not genocide. And yeah, right. he said he was just like one town or something, which I think to that town it'd still be kind of genocide <laughs> yeah. but... <laughs> genocide 
<laughs> um, That's like the worst word you just coined. <laughs> Genocide. But you, you get the point, though. Like he, to some degree, that's the argument of yeah, it was bad, but it's not that bad. Which I, yeah, I think um, Near Eastern um, war literature would lend itself to that kind of thing, and it wouldn't be out of context for that culture for that to be the case. And I yeah. would just, de- I would just go a little bit, like Pete Enns would go further and say, it's right. not just a little village that was killed. It was no village that was killed. And so I, I think we're all playing the same game. The question is just how far you're going to take it. Uh, Cause yeah. the main point that I think everyone agrees on is that the Bible doesn't give a modern historical account of what took place. It gives a that a culturally appropriate description of how they would have understood what was happening, and they're just yeah. two, two different expectations for how that's to work. Here, here's one. I, I think that was the point when he started talking about genocide and started listing off like Paul Copen and um, other people have done really responsible work on how that word uh, or how how that's not the best description of what the Old Testament narratives are trying to do. I thought that w- that was when I started to be like, huh. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll listen to you, sir. Well, I, and this is one of the, the best things I thought about that interaction with him is how charitable and kind and... Yeah. That's hopefully the kind of discourse, and this is a lot of the feedback I've gotten, is people saying, you know, I love the way Derek was able to engage with ideas and you guys were able to have a conversation <laughs> where you don't agree, but you can be charitable to one another. And I feel like that's the kind of thing that maybe in our polarized politicized sort of world that we need to work towards more in different conversations. Yeah. I do think one of the differences of Derek and BZ is Derek is in the middle of a PhD. He's in the world of academics. Obviously he does college pastoring as well, but you know, BZ has been a pastor as long as Derek's been alive. And I think Derek isn't communicating, Derek is communicating in the academic world along with doing college ministry. BZ mm-hmm. is communicating to pastors, not not to, but he's communicating as a pastor who also can occasionally float into the academic world. But he's trying to speak more to the average person. And I had right. this crazy time. I was walking up the aisle after a service a couple of weeks ago, and one person said, "Man, I really like BZ. He just like I understood what he was coming from. I I got him." And the next person was like, "You know, I listened to those two back to back, and you know who I really like." And I was going to say, "You're going to say BZ too because he knows how to speak to people." from more experience than Derek. And he goes, no, I really like Derek. And I was like, oh, that's right. You're kind of an academic <clears throat> nerd huh. too. And so that communicates to you. So I think you need to have different people who can communicate to different, different styles of thinking and learning. And anyway. Huh? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do. And I also think, um, I don't know anything about Derek, but um, Brian and I come from like the Southeast together and everywhere here and you know it's like this in Texas too. Everywhere people's got people have guns and camo and yeah. you know, God bless uh, the USA on their trucks and uh, you know kind of a God ordained vi- violence is really a a tough thing to unravel and and also seeing you know seeing people worried about facing God you know when they die and, and the kind of pastoral things that he's going to have questions for, I think it really is a, a very different kind of conversation that they're having. And one of the things that 
Brian Zahn said in response is that Calvinism is the best theological system yeah. that there is. Um, the the only problem with Calvinism is that it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a that's such a great line. It's, a it's great so line. good. Um, I, I would concur. Um, but it's a great system. Like it really is. It make it ties up some yeah. neat bows and I mean like. For example, Keller, who's my favorite Calvinist, has this great line where God is so good that God would do exactly what you would do if you knew everything that God knew hmm. and and could do what God... So basically, like, um, he's trying to do two things. He's trying to, one, take out... Add, add mystery, like, take out the, the hubris that people have with, like, well, if if God's up to something... And I, I should be able to figure it out. If I can't figure it out, there might, must not be any yep. reason. That's a fair thing. The second thing is, I think, a little... Randy Harris says it's too heavy of an albatross to hang around God's neck, which is that behind everything that happens is is God, you, yep. know, you know. And that's what... Yeah. I, I think if you need a tight, airtight system that holds it all together... I think Calvinism is an option for you. I just don't think you're always going to keep all the air in and keep all the water out. And I think that's... You know what's... In- I'm sorry. What is interesting, Jonathan? It was, it's interesting that it's so appealing today. I, you know? Is, I think is it's because it offers a, a sense of certainty. And all this stuff about certainty and mystery, I think, is the antithesis. It's a reaction against... Um, people wanting control. And I think Calvinism gives, like everything happens for a reason. This is all part of God's plan. God chooses who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. God chooses if you are going to be a Christian, not you. There's a sense of relief that everything makes sense. If you just have faith in God that God's going to make everything good and nothing. Is that the most charitable explanation? I get, I get it. And I think there's something to that. I really do think that there. I think I think another a more charitable explanation might be that it it has um, strong lines, bright lines on like um, you know this is this is evil you know there it's not so much gray you know I think there are people who are yeah um, I feel like that's know, what I'm saying though like it it gives you strong lines certainty like certain okay I, well I maybe certainty is a loaded like word morality. But. I think it gives you lines. I think, I think there's. I don't want to say it's a, the best read of the Bible because I disagree with that. But I do think people who are Calvinists have have a commitment to Scripture, and it it's not hard to make a Calvinist reading of the Bible. And so I think that's in there too. Um, Wait, what do you mean? Well, it's I'm, not hard to like, say, like. You can't. You don't know what to do with Romans nine through eleven. I don't. Is that what I'm asking? No, I I have NT Wright's email address. I would just email him and say, Tom, what should I say? Or I'll call him. That's what I do with Romans nine through eleven. No, I'm just saying. I'm trying to value that they care a lot about the Bible, and you yeah, you can read the true. Bible and get to Calvinism very easily. I'm. I'm trying to say that as nice as I can. Wait, are you converting? I'm to trying Calvinism to be as nice right as I can to him. Um, I, you I are, have never. It's I've, happening right. I've never my seen eyes. you smile that much, Jonathan. You've never been that happy before <laughs> in your life. Um, okay, uh, welcome, I feel like welcome, um, brother. Yeah, there, there it is. Finally comes out. 
I think uh, the last thing we need to say about those was, isn't it pretty awesome how I guessed the two things BZ was upset by? I, it was. That, it was. And even more awesome is how you made him repeat how awesome it was. He was like moving on to the next thing. You're no, like, BZ. No, no, for real, though. Like, you, don't, you don't get to move away from that, BZ. Um, again, much love to Derek. Thank you, BZ. Lovable guy as well. Um, yeah. Do, hey, did they ever talk? No, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. So uh, okay. it would have been great if technology would have made it where the it could have been all three of us on the t- on the phone at the same time. I I just think it's hard to do those, um, especially in that format of people who disagree with each other. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. Uh, moving on. Um, let's do the uh, the one from my uh, my friend in uh, South Austin in Buda, old Jenny Hatmaker. Yeah, so um, you, she is a spark plug, man. She's a, like, she's got to be a seven, don't you think? I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You would ask her a question, and then she just had a fire hose of answers. Yeah. It was I, th- great I, I thought it was kind of like a bro session because it was just kind of, you know, just counting it up. You know, I have, I don't know. What the last two things were that you just? It said. was a bro. I don't bro understand. session cutting it up. Those are you don't know those two idioms. Oh, I got it. I no, I, I, I didn't know the first bro one. session. Uh, yeah, apparently I'm not invited to a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it sounds fun. I love it. I'd love to one day be a part of one. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Did you hear the thing about uh, guilt management with parenting? Yeah, that that's like one of the, one of the things that stood out to me because um, she was just talking about like how her mom said that previous generations didn't do the stuff that mm-hmm. we do, they that they just had kids, but we parent, and how much kind of internal like the internal prosecutor is always going. And she was saying his mom's, and then she said, I don't know, do you dads go through this too? And I think you said yes, Oh, yeah, right? I definitely. Yeah, me too. I, I have things that I haven't done for my kids that I feel like I'm supposed to by now. And I, I don't want to put them out there because it's about their life, not mine at this point. Um, but like those, like as soon as she said guilt, I was like, oh, that comes to mind. Now, I know when she's talking about like shame of parenting and guilt of parenting, you think I've become a parent too many times, and that's why you have guilt. Correct? Is that, is that working? <laughs> yeah. do, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Do you think people today are more susceptible and more weighed down by guilt and shame? Man, so one of the things about doing this series, Christians Make the Best Atheists, is I think it's made me cynical in a lot of ways to how can, other how stuff. Can, you're like four weeks into the series. How can you be cynical already because of that? Oh, man, because I'm working with Jeff Nelson. I'm not. I'm eight weeks into the well, series. 12, 12. How many sermons did 12, I just... I'm 12. No, you are I have not. all 15 Gosh. of them done. I have 32 <laughs> sermons done. I have all my you sermons so I'm 44 done. Every one of them. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've heard you preach, so I don't <laughs> doubt that. <laughs> okay, it's made you more cynical? Yeah, just in the sense of like there there are forces at work I think that are um, not neutral and not for in our best interest, and I think one of the things idolatry the early Christians kind of saw through 
So this week, when I was doing Aphrodite this week, I just talked about how um, marketing, you know, it basically Don Draper, that you, what you call love was invented by guys like me to sell nylons. That's a good line. Cynical like that. Like, parenting, I wonder how much of it is, like, we should be ashamed of our parenting and how much of it is to get us to buy the right brand of diapers. So that's that's the cynicism of marketing and... Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's cynicism towards the kind of forces that are out there. Like I, when I when I hear that, I think, why are we yeah. like this? Because we're more afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's the thing that's driving most of it, and the world hasn't gotten scarier. Yeah. That's so. Who's yeah. doing that? Who is pulling that lever, and for what end? Well, there is no greater motivator than fear, and you see it on the news when they say. Is your dishwasher in jeopardy of destroying your family and killing your kids? Come back in 30 seconds and we'll tell you all about it. Like, they're selling you something. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's... Yeah. But to be clear, is my dishwasher in danger of killing my kids? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know something no. I don't? Well, I'll save, tell me I'll save this for the, uh, the Hermes sermon and I'll give you all the answers for that. Do we have to subscribe to Podbean? <laughs> to- <laughs> if you want your message to really get out there, if you don't want it to be, if you don't want your life to be futile, use Podbean. You're all the yeah. That's that that, that counts. The uh, the thing she said about you don't have to be the same person you were. Like, I know I I kept thinking I really hope that would get through. I, you know, man, if there's one person in the world that needs to hear this, Jim Hatmaker, uh, <laughs> you are talking. To thank him. you. That's so sweet. But I, I think that. The growth, the continued <clears throat> process, the formation, and like Josh and I, Josh Ross and I talked about this of, you know, the problem of, um, you know, writing a book, or giving advice when you're 36, 37 is hopefully in 20 years from now, you're going to have more maturity and more depth and it's going to change. And I, yeah, I think that's just a struggle of if you're putting yourself out there as a teacher, as yeah. a spokesperson, a writer, you know, that, that's just part of it. Yeah, do you look back on your sermons? Like, uh, did you ever do a, a series like on marriage or something? Yeah. And and yeah, do you look back on those and be like, what you was know I who thinking? the uh, the the person who I always hear was like the best preacher ever at the Highland Church of Christ, uh, Mike Cope, once told me this the Wednesday before I got married. I told him, no, no, no this is like a week and a half before I got married. I said I'm going to preach this Sunday on marriage, and the next Saturday I'm getting married. And he said, Luke, this is going to be the sermon that you are going to be most confident about when it comes to marriage. Everyone after that, you're going to lose confidence. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's yeah, I, that's the weird, like, pretty you, good guy. you take what you do seriously, but you can't take yourself seriously. I, I've noticed I have, like, a, a, nor, I have a, a, a lot of confidence in, like, this is something God wants me to say, I feel like when I'm preaching or whatever, and then afterwards, like when I look back on last yeah. year or a year and a half ago, do you do well, that? You know, like... But I, that's that's part of the practice of, like, the Thursday lunch group is, okay, was I... Ha- what what of that that I just said could be wrong? What's... Yeah. No, I don't mean, like... I no, don't I'm mean just saying like, there's... Uh, you know, I'm some prophet or something. Like, I, I'm very open to the idea that I, I, I get that, but I think it's God. also holding it with a loose, open hand of going... I don't have this yeah. all figured out. I'm doing the best I can. I care about what I'm doing. I work hard, but it's not ex-cathedral. It just feels to me like there is a... Yeah, I don't mean ex-cathedral. I mean like 
there is a dis, uh, disproportional amount of confidence that gets inverted after you preach it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is a good thing that yeah. I'm doing. I'm going to go up there and preach this. And then after it, it's the, um, yeah. what was I thinking? <laughs> you, what, who, who am I to say that? <laughs> it's you so, know what I'm saying? Does that make uh, yeah, sense? Yeah, I mean, I'd, it's almost a defense mechanism is that you, whatever. Anyway, uh, just FYI, if you are a member of the Westover Hills Church, everything I say in a sermon is correct. So uh, just ignore this. Also sponsored by (laughs) Podbean. Okay, let's do the the Jason Palooza one. Yeah, what was that? uh, So if you listen to the podcast, Jason explained what that was. Uh, It was just a gathering that uh, Jason Miller, friend of the show, put on. and And you somehow made that cut? I'm sorry they didn't invite you. I'm sorry. They they didn't, and it stings it a little. Well, I mean, I like I like. Would you those like people. some suggestions as to what you could do to be invited to stuff like that in the future? <laughs> okay, no, okay. Not from you. Okay. Um, anyway, so maybe be told by by you, my friend, who I invited to Greece. Oh gosh. Um, okay, so his stuff. This, is, was that a bro session? Is that what that was <laughs> that I didn't get invited? <laughs> yeah, that was a bro session. The the conversation we had uh, obviously went a bunch of different directions, but one of those directions was with Aaron Nequist, who's talking about some of the subject matter that uh, he's got a book that'll come out. I think he's uh, yeah, that'll be out next summer. But about a practice based faith. Uh, all those people in the room. Uh, it was actually outside, so not in a room. All those people in that conversation came from evangelical megachurches. And so they have one experience. As someone who's come from the Church of Christ, obviously you've been at big Church of Christ churches but for the last handful of years, but that wasn't always your experience. D- did you hear it the same way they heard the stuff about a practice-based worship? I think it's good to know, like the, the, um, to think of the ways that what you're currently doing could go off mm-hmm. track. I think it's good to pay attention to that, um, but <clears throat> I I don't see anybody at Highland being raised up on a steady diet of what they were reacting to. Um, so it's a different different experience yeah. they've had than. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear other Highland people if they had a different opinion of that. But like our prayers, the people. You know when he when he described, I think it was maybe John and Merritt, or no, maybe maybe it was. Uh, the guy who called the Jason, meeting, the bro session. Jason, Jason. It was Jason <laughs> who said um, he's seen several churches do uh, mega churches do lament well. I thought, man, I think that's kind of Highland. I think Highland has that kind of worked mm-hmm. into them. Um, they don't have uh, any. I don't. I don't sense any resistance when, like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, was one of my favorite moments in Highland worship. We did prayers of the people from the week before in the middle of worship, mm-hmm. like in between song with, uh, with like a guitar and stuff under, underneath just, and it was, that, that was mm-hmm. laments um, in the middle of worship as if that was just a totally normal yep. thing. Um, yep. And then went on. I, I think every tradition and denomination has the baggage that they've got to carry. And I think, Ours is going to be different from those churches. And 
the amount right, of yeah. emphasis, uh, resources, uh, person power. Our tr- tr- tribe has not been investing a substantial amount into the things that they're reacting against. And I think his bigger point of a balanced diet, I think that's extremely helpful. And I think yeah, putting it all, true. saying it all has a place, it all is valued. I, I, I think that stuff is um, is brilliant. And like I said on the podcast, the um, the liturgy that we went through, that Aaron led us through, was one of the most meaningful things that I've done in a long time. And so I, I'm excited to hear more from Aaron. I'm sure we will uh, in the future. Did you hear... Uh, uh, Jonathan Merritt's stuff about the church failing and how uh-huh. uh, there's a sense of fear that influences the way that we're obsessed with youth culture and um, yeah, did, did, did you hear that stuff? Mm-hmm. Is like prediction. Yeah, what do you think about that? Uh, I thought, I mean, he's pretty culturally mm-hmm. savvy. Uh, the I, I, de- I totally agree with that. I think ageism is one of the one of the great sins of American churches today um, that, you know, church planners are told if you want to, if you're going to plan a church, you've got to pick between over 40 or under 40. Mm-hmm. And um, I, all the, all the statistics are like multi-generational churches aren't happening because older people can't give to expressions of church that they don't believe in. And younger people aren't willing to yep. sit around in what they find to be something not yep. tailored to That's- them. Um, and I, I mean, I think I, here's here's one of the things I think needs to be part of the conversation. The one of the main tasks a church has is to pass the gospel off from one generation mm-hmm. to the next. And I think the impulse behind, behind being tied to the youth culture is often been like because of anxiety, but because they know that this is what they're called to do. Hmm. You know, and maybe maybe just being able to trust God a little bit mm-hmm. more. You're not going to be able to bring kids in with, you know, a new one one word, edgy title gathering, you know. Yeah. Whatever. That yeah. Is. I. It, it's weird. Again, this is a reactionary thing that I haven't seen our denomination, our tribe, go all in on youth culture and try to be super hip and super cool. Cool. And so for them to react against it, I'm like, our our tribe has typically done the opposite, and so we haven't really been... Yeah. Well, we're multi-generational. I mean, I don't think we're paying it... I, I think at our best, we're multi-generational. I haven't seen a lot of, like, grin and bear it, you got You suck it up yeah. and take it. You sing all hell, hell the power of Jesus' name and you'll well, like it. Have you seen that? No, but, like, if you compared the average church that's similar to ours... Uh, in the Church of Christ, to other churches similar, comparable in style, the amount of resources it, like be. that we invest in <clears throat> the gathering and 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 I think the mm-hmm. word attract. I think you're allowed to make the, the service attractive. Um, some people think that's like just you're going to go to hell if you think that way because you're not missional. But like we just don't invest that way, and so I, I think some of the stuff is. <clears throat> It's taken out of context when it's brought into the Church of Christ, and we say, "Yeah, we shouldn't do this because they said it over here, and they're responding to something that we haven't gotten to that point to respond against." Anyway, um, yeah. all right, let's talk about our friend, our favorite, somebody else you Memphibians. flew to hang out with, Memphibians. Yeah. That's right. So you you ate poorly over the last. Few oh days. yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I think it was Josh's goal to get me to gain like seven pounds while I was there. 
I can see yeah, it in your face. You. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I knew of all the things that I could say to hurt. <laughs> that We're done. I'm going to go to my jazzercise class now. Leave me alone. <laughs> no. I, no, it was great. It was fun getting the, the uh, full Memphis experience. Uh, Did you just do like a podcast at his church Yeah, on yeah. Sunday so I, I flew out um, after uh, Sean's service, got in like at 10 o'clock Saturday night, preached Sunday morning, did the podcast uh, Sunday night, and then went home... Monday morning. Did you do uh, one of our series? Yeah. Christians yeah, Make Most Atheists? Because I'm preaching there in November. Which one what did you, you do? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, uh, you know, I can get on the website and can. find out. No, I didn't. I did one on resurrection. <laughs> oh, cool. You believe in that. I guess it was hanging out with Derek. Derek <laughs> helped. Huh? Uh, that's funny. Very funny. Uh <laughs> you know, if, if God's going to be all genocide then I guess we got to believe in the resurrection. Yeah, just in case, you know, I want to hedge my... No, I believe in resurrection. Come on, man. Come on, man. Uh, Hanging out with Josh. Yeah. Uh, he's starting a new yes, podcast. Yes, he's, he's into it. He, Finally, the churches of Christ are going to have a, a progressive voice in podcasting. Yeah. That's so Finally. good. So glad to hear that. Um, yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, have you read Josh's book? No, I just got it in oh. the mail, like today. So, um, I am... But, you know, this metaphor... Have you oh, used yeah. this already? Because I've used <laughs> it, like, twice, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, it's been around. Yeah. So, for for me to... I'm, I'm looking forward to it, because he's yeah, a good I, writer. I, the, the thing that... Uh, the last... The conclusion of my sermon... I, I told him about it before, and he goes, oh, yeah, that, yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's, I was like, did I steal that from you? He goes, I mean, yeah, it's in the book. Uh, and I was like, oh, <laughs> my bad. But. <laughs> of the sermon? Yeah, the resurrection, the resurrection sermon. Did you use I, it at I, I didn't church? put it together until like 10 minutes before the service, that it was from him. And, well, okay, so that's, and that is when you don't <laughs> invite Luke to preach at your church. You've got like three or four good personal stories that you you can use maybe three or four times in your ministry tenure at a church. Yeah, I take he one. comes it was, in. And, it was good. It worked well though. Yeah. But uh, yeah, his book Reentry. It's out. It'll change your life. Go get it. And uh, and yeah, he's a he's, great dude. I, I second all the stuff that you say about him being top yeah, of the list for people. In the he is a good dude. With. He's a good dude. Well, Jonathan. It's fun as always. You got to go to your. Do you preach on Wednesday nights? Oh, I don't. I um, we're in. A, Leslie started a parenting class. It's blowing up. Really? In Are you taking notes? Uh, yeah. Get some lessons. I am. That's. Cool. I am, and I'm. I'm trying to do my cynical stuff tonight. I was just oh, practicing. Well, you, it on comes. You. Does this really matter, y'all? Or are they just trying to sell yeah, us diapers? It comes natural to you. Well, good work, Jonathan. Yeah, it was a good month, man. What comes up next? I've got one. Uh, I'm recording tomorrow about uh, about leadership. Someone has a book about leadership. They contacted me and said they want to do a podcast. Said, oh yeah, sure. And I don't really like. I've never done a book. I, I have. I think it's 260 set. Anyway, over 250 podcasts, and I've never done one on leadership. And dude. You didn't do the strong and weak. That's right. You did uh, tech yeah, life yeah, yeah. family. For some reason, I no, thought I. You did. I, I Ask him. Ask the person what they think about Andy Crouch's take on authority and okay. vulnerability. 
Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Hey, friend of the show. AC. I'll ask him about that. Um, and then we've got um, we've got some other stuff coming down the the pipe. I don't know when. I've got some fun stuff for later in the month as well. That uh, yeah, look forward to it. It'll be good. Cool. All right, man. Well, I hope you have a good rest of. Uh, I love you too. Goodbye. My, what? <laughs> Pop- yeah, you do the you you do the closing ad. <laughs> yeah, do it. Are, do are it right serious? though. All right. Yeah. Um, hey, everybody. If you're looking to start your own podcast, if you'd like to add to the noise of the world, like this person, then you can go to Podbeam. You're all in one podcast hosting um, and publishing. Re- podcast hosting and Provider. publishing. And you know what they've got? To They've just added a mobile app that makes it even easier for you to add to the noise of the world and hopefully drown out little mom and pop episodes like this one. Get ready for some awesome. I'm oh, sorry, I was trying to do your thing. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.